0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the Masters. Last class session, we talked about *Inglorious Bastards. In this class session, we're going to talk about Django Unchained. So, we've all seen Django. or At least I imagine most of us have by this point. It was a very popular film. And just like every other Tarantino movie, it has a very clear vision, very clear direction. It's obviously directed by Tarantino. It's a very Tarantino film. Well, how did Tarantino come up with his style? When going all the way back to Reservoir Dogs, when he was at Sundance, not after Reservoir Dogs had been made, but he went and did the Sundance workshop. Maybe we talked about that. Maybe we didn't. I don't remember. There was like this director's workshop at Sundance that he got to be a part of. And so he did a scene up there of Reservoir Dogs. And, you know, anyway, Um, there was this, day where he just got to sit around and talk with people and one of the people he got to talk with was terry gilliam who also has very distinctive direction and vision in his films and so quentin asked him about that he's like how do you do that and gilliam said basically that the director's job isn't to just photocopy what's in his head to the screen what you do is you hire talented people who can bring to life what you imagine and your job as the director is explaining to them what you want. Your job is communicating. That's how directors get their vision on the screen. Now, this is we're, we're about to talk about something that 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 strays from Robert Rodriguez because Robert Rodriguez does things differently. Um and this is one of the beauties of talking about both of them, is is they both have very different approaches. Quentin is very much just a writer-director. He, he doesn't know how to set up the camera. He, he might, by this point, know his lenses fairly well. Although, quite frankly, I've never heard him talk about lenses, so I don't really know how well he knows his lenses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he's not his own DP. I, he did it for Death Proof, sure, but, um, you know, he's not his own producer, his own visual effects supervisor. You know, he hasn't cut out all this stuff so that, he can, so that he doesn't have to worry about it and he can just do it himself. It's not that Rodriguez is a bad communicator. Rodriguez, as we've talked about, has his own reasons for doing that. It's about simplifying the process so that he can do his films his way. That's fine. But that's not Quentin. And I imagine that's not a lot of us. Not everyone here knows the difference between a 50 millimeter and a 35 millimeter lens, you know? And so you need to hire people who can do things for you, who can help fill in the gaps. So long as you can explain to them what it is you want, those talented people then can get you what you want. And in a, in an interview in, um, in an interview that I found on YouTube, uh, by the YouTube channel DP slash 30, um, he said this. He said, very rarely do I have the technical know-how that goes with all that. And when he says with all that, he means communicating his vision. But I know my movie. I know how my movie is supposed to sound. I know how, how it's supposed to look. I know all that. So I have all these absolutely wonderful professionals doing their job, but I keep it to the vision. That's the job of a director. If you have a vision as a filmmaker, your job is to communicate to them what you want, and then they will figure out how to do it. Okay. And it goes beyond just being a good communicator, though. If you're the lead guy on set, whatever that is, you know, you're if, if this is your project, I don't care whether you're a director, producer, whatever. if you're leading these people and you have the vision for the project, your job goes beyond just being a good communicator. It means setting the tone for everyone else. And we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about setting the tone. We're going to talk about something a little bit more intangible. This is about... This This episode today is about leadership. This this class session today is about leadership. We're going to talk about being a leader that goes beyond just communicating your vision. It, it, it reaches much deeper than that. This is one of the things that I've always admired about Quentin Tarantino is his leadership on the set. Listen to people talk about working with him. So, like, for example, Def, Jeff Dashna, who did all the stunts for for Robert Rodriguez for years um, and, and, and did all the stunts on Grindhouse and did the stunts on this film as well. Jeff Dashnaw said um, that he and his stunt crew made, made Quentin an honorary member of their stunt company. That's how much they think of him. Because when Quentin gets to the set, he'll act out the stunt. He'll show them exactly what it is he wants. Like there was a... He'll, he'll do all of that stuff himself frequently. So he's now an honorary. I, I mean, as much as he's physically able to. I mean, obviously he's not going to get on a horse and 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 make it fall over so that you know. But but yeah, he he shows them as much as he can exactly what he wants. Um, there's a scene where where um, Django shoots somebody and the guy has to fall just face down in the mud without bracing himself because he's dead. Quentin was ready to go in there and show them exactly. They're like, whoa, slow down. <laughs> But we'll, we'll, we'll let us give this a shot, and then and then we'll uh, and then if you don't like it, then you can show us what, what you want. But um, that's just Quentin. He's he, he's ready to show you exactly what it is, even if it means putting himself at risk. Something else, the, the, you know, and this is just little stuff, you know. Something else he doesn't do to this day, as far as I know, he doesn't allow cell phones on the set. When we're working, we're working. When we're in this world, there is no interruptions. That's kind of his mind frame. There's there's no cell phones on the set. And one of my favorite things that, that I could see being annoyed annoying, well, well, I'll tell you what it is and then I'll frame it. Quentin doesn't do one for safety. You'll hear that a lot on a set. You know, director will get up there and says, that was great, that was so good, but we're going to do one more just for safety, right? You know, just, just to make sure we got it, you know, and usually it's never as good as the one before and then they move on, right? Quentin doesn't do that. Quentin doesn't do one more for safety. Quentin does one more because we love making movies. That's Quentin. Quentin gets up there and he says, that was great. That was amazing. But we're going to do one more. Why? And he leads the whole crew in this because we love making movies. Okay. Now I could see that being annoying. And I, I the thing is, so I'm a grip. I do this for a living, right? I, I I work on other people's projects for a living, and usually I couldn't give two cents about them. Doesn't matter to me. I don't really care. I mean, every once in a while, one will one will come through where I get to do cool stuff, you know, within the scope of the project. And, and, and it looks really cool, and sometimes I can get kind of into it, you know. But most jobs I'm on, I don't really care. What what uh, it doesn't matter to me. I'm not the one with the vision for it. I don't care. But Quentin seems to do such a good job of including everybody, in a way that makes that 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 helps bring a certain amount of passion for the project. And he hires passionate people that helps keep that passion, you know, all throughout the ranks. And so I could see a situation where working on a Quentin Tarantino movie that wouldn't get old, because you know what I do love making movies, I do. I, there's a reason I'm in this business not not everybody's in that business for this reason, but that's why I'm in this business, so I don't know if that would get old. I think I would totally be ready to do that, yeah, you know so there's one other there's one other thing actually no, excuse me, there's a couple of things that that we still need to get to here where it talks about leadership and talks about setting a tone, and sometimes setting the tone isn't about leading the crew in a chance. sometimes it's about doing things differently than the way other people do it. And then about making a decision, standing for what you think is the right way to make a movie, or at least the right way to make the movie you're going to be making. So in an interview with uh, Charlie Rose, Quentin said this, he said, it just seems like every time I do a movie two years later or something, the industry has moved even further away from how I do it. And everyone does it completely different, or the rules on sets and everything are just very, very different from the way I remember them. And it just keeps going like that all the time. But But one of the things... That's a big deal for me. One, I don't use a monitor when I'm making a movie. Which it seems everyone has some little video village. No. I mean, there might be a little hand monitor so I can keep track of something. But it's something like this. He picks up a glass on the table. So I'm watching the scene and I just kind of glance at it if I want. But the whole deal, though, is, is that... It, it, But the whole deal, though, is that's not how you do it. I didn't conjure all all this up so I can be in another room watching television while my actors are out there doing their scene. All right. I take the camera. I frame the damn shot. I sit right next to the camera. Either I'm operating the camera, which I didn't do that much on this movie, and I'm watching the scene. I can actually even talk to the actors during the scene. I'm not saying I do that all the time, but maybe I come up with a line. I throw the line at them, say, say that. Or maybe I'm their inner voice. Maybe I'm their conscience. You know, someone says something. He looks at them. I go, what? The, what does that mean? What the hell does that mean? All right. Or he's lying. Don't let him get away with that. But also, what's important to me, and this has changed a lot since. Actually, hold on. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stop that quote right there. Okay. Let's just talk about this. Okay. I've never been on a set where the monitor stood by the camera. Uh, that's not true. Um my film school professor did that. Um I've never been on a professional set where the director stood by the camera. I've been on some professional sets where the director was also the DP, so he was shooting, which means he was right there with the actors the whole time. But most sets I'm on, the director is just like he said, he's he's several yards away, sometimes in another room watching television. Basically, he's watching the monitor And then, you know, he'll yell direction or he's got to walk all the way out there, you know. But so something you hear a lot when you listen to actors is acting is very lonely. I mean, even if there's other people in the scene, you're kind of out there on an island. And as a director, specifically, you know, this doesn't apply to every other trade. But as a director, your job, half of your job is the actors. Most of your job on the set is the actors. And Quentin knows that. And because Quentin came up as an actor, he understands this. He understands that his job's not to go look at television. His job and and put his contacts on and whatever. His job's to be right there with his actors, directing. He is their first audience. He's the one who needs to be right in there with them, right by the camera often, so that he can be right there on set as things are happening. Um,. You know, and the only reason he's got that little hand monitor is sometimes just to check the framing, you know, because maybe it's a complicated move and he just wants to see how we're doing, you know, and we're going to get into framing later. Um, But yeah, this, this idea that he's right in there as the leader of the movie, he's right in the thick of the movie. He's not removed from it. He's right in there where it's being made. That's important to him. And maybe that's not your method. That's fine. But that's important to quentin this this uh, all we're doing today is talking about how quentin leads a movie okay now let's dig into the second part of this quote he said but also what's important to me and this has changed a lot since time has gone on it's standard to, now on most movies and all television shows to at the very least excuse me to at the very least have two cameras operating at all times if not three if not four if not five if not six if not more but at the very least two and in that scenario, it's like okay, you have your main shot that you want, and here is this other camera that you are just sticking it somewhere where it's not seeing this one and it's not seeing any other equipment. So, but it's just a sloppy angle, and it's just there to give you a bit more footage in the editing room, so you so you can just kind of get through your day a little bit easier. But now you kind of have to split the lighting as opposed to just for the, your other shot. I don't want that. I have one camera on the set and only one shot we're shooting in the shot I'm framing. I frame, I frame the shot and Bob Richardson lights the shot for that frame and that's it. I don't want any sloppy ass crap. Any composition you see in my movie was composed by me. Okay. This is another way that Quentin leads. Quentin has decided that he is always going to shoot single camera. And quite frankly, I can respect that. Everything single camera. Because even if you shoot the two cameras parallel, right? You know, I've, I've, I've talked to a key group about this. He prefers to, to, to shoot, if you have one camera one way, then, then put the other camera the other way so that you get more coverage that way instead of shooting the same thing just from different angles or in different sizes like a medium and a close-up or something. The problem is if you, if you turn the cameras around, now you have to light both ways. But you have to light both ways in a way that is not in the other person's shot. Right? And then even if you shoot parallel, let's say you shoot a wide and a, a, wide and a medium. You can't light wide shots the same as you can light mediums. You can't light medium shots the same way you light close-ups because you can see the friggin' set. You know, you, so Quentin doesn't do that. He says, no, all I'm focused on, all we as a crew are focused on is this shot. All we're focused on with the cast is who's in this frame. Who's in this frame and what are they doing in this frame? How are they feeling in this frame? That's all he's worried about. He's only worried about the right now, and all there is right now is a single shot, okay? Now, he finished that with any composition you see in my movie was composed by me. Now, he elaborates in the Charlie Rose interview, but I like the way he talked about it in the DP30 interview, so we're going to do it this way. He said, uh, if you're not directing the movie, Bob will take over, Bob being his DP, Bob Richardson, Robert Richardson to us. Sorry, Bob. Um... In lieu of a leader, he will lead, and he can do it. But the thing about that that's really cool is he likes my framing. So he wants me to compose the shot because he likes my framing, because he necessarily wouldn't compose it that way. Now speaking now now for a little bit here he's speaking as if he's Bob and hey look there's a lot of movies where I can just place the camera and the director will be happy with it as and as well they should be happy with it but I'm not here to do that with you I want Quentin framing it's very idiosyncratic and it's very specific so I Quentin go I you know points I want a shot like this and he sets it up and it's my job. To look through the camera and motions and as he's motioning with his hands, he says, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit here. Oh, get that person here, get that flower out, or whatever. Okay. This is leadership. So let's break this down a little bit. If you're not directing the movie, Bob will take over. In lieu of a leader, he will lead and he can do it. Okay? Bob Richardson knows how to make a movie. Okay. There's gonna be people there. It, If you are a director who does not have the technical ability, much like Quentin does not have the technical ability to pull certain things off, other people might lead your movie for you. Unless you come in with a strong vision and you know exactly what you want, you can communicate exactly what you want, and you remain the leader of the set. Okay? And this can happen to anybody. If you're not that good of a DP... You can have a strong gaffer take the movie away from you. It's happened before, and it'll happen again. And in this case, Quentin says, if you're not a strong enough director, Bob Richardson will just take your movie from you, and he'll just go shoot his movie, you know, (laughs) all the while making you think it's yours, basically. Um, The actors do this. Uh, Robert Rodriguez, in his uh, Sin City commentary, talked about how Bruce Willis will do that. If he doesn't feel that the movie's being led, he will lead the movie. And if you listen to any Kevin Smith interview talking about Bruce Willis, you know that's true. So Quentin leads. He makes sure that this is still, you know, he he tells Bob exactly what he wants and he leads the movie from top to bottom. And not just leading the DP, he leads the entire crew. We've talked about that. We've talked about how he leads the crew. Now, on top of that, He's a little bit lucky. He's a little bit lucky that Bob also respects him. Bob Richardson respects him and he likes Quentin's framing. Because Bob Bob always looks at Quentin's framing and says, Well, wow, I never would have done that. That's interesting. And so because Quentin leads and because Bob respects him, that allows a very interesting relationship to grow. Where normally Bob Richardson would set up the camera. You know, the guy the, the director would come in and tell him, Well, I want to shoot a medium close-up on Dustin Hoffman or whatever. And so Bob will Run in there, drop the camera down, set it up the way he thinks it should be. And normally the director's okay with that, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't lead. He doesn't overstep his bounds with Quentin because he respects Quentin as a leader. He sets the camera up where about where he thinks he wants it to be, and then lets Quentin do the fine tuning while he's probably lighting, you know while 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 Bob can go off and light he can he can change things up, and Quentin will say, actually, we need to raise it up a little bit here you know come up a little bit oh, we'll pan right um we need this person to step forward a little bit uh oh let's get that out of the shot you know and quentin does all the framing so every movie you've seen from kill bill until soon or well no actually it's out now once upon a time once upon a time in hollywood every single shot in those movies is framed by quentin tarantino That is leading. That's getting your vision on the screen. You know, you corral these talented people on your set. You talk to them. You communicate with them about what you want on the screen. And next thing you know, your vision has come to life. Okay. So, next class session, The Hateful Eight. We're going to talk about the two new movies that have come out. We're going to talk about Alita Battle Angel. And we're going to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that's all we have for this class session um thank you all for listening to hitchcock university where you learn filmmaking from the masters if you'd like to uh well if you like what you hear you know or if you don't you can give us a like a comment a rating a review uh, whatever wherever it is you listen to the show whether that's apple Podcasts, soundcloud uh, stitcher TuneIn radio google play and then of course um if you uh Oh, and then, um, don't forget to check out the new, the, the, the new this year, it's not new anymore, but, uh, the, uh, Hitchcock university YouTube channel where I'm trying different things, trying to work more like Robert Rodriguez, trying to build up some of my technical chops. Um, cause it's been a while with some of this stuff. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to keep that educational as well. We're doing different things there. Um, it's where you get to learn filmmaking from the amateurs instead of the masters. Um, that's, uh, yeah, yeah So you can subscribe to the Hitchcock University YouTube channel, you can keep up With what we're doing there, and, and what we're doing Uh, with the podcast in general uh, Wherever it is you listen to or, or, you know, just in general Um, on Facebook, there's Facebook Hitchcock University Page And, the, or you can follow us on Twitter At Hitch underscore U The letter U as in university Um uh, Oh, yeah, and of course, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, otherwise, feel free to reach out to the pod. Um, you can email us. We have a Gmail account, University at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word. Um, yeah, uh, thank you again for listening to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. I've been Taylor Bickle, and you've been learning from Quentin Tarantino. Thank you so much. Talk to you again in two weeks. Bye.